Hello, welcome to Human Tech, a podcast about the intersection between humans and technology. My name is Guthrie. I'm here with Susan. Hi. Hey. Uh, anything new happening in your life? You know, one thing I wanted to, before we launch into, there is something new happening in my life, but before we launch into that, I want to do something I always forget to do. If people want to reach us, Guthrie, what's the best way to do that? We always do this at the end when I figure uh, everybody has turned us off. You can email info at theteamw.com. Wonderful. Thank you. And if you want training, let us know. Yeah, because we're scheduling our uh, workshops both in person and remote for 2024. Yep. Okay. So you asked if there's anything new going on in my life, and there is, and I wanted to use it as an opportunity to talk. Take a segue. About- about creativity mm-hmm. and about creative outlets for people, you know, like who do user experience work. So, um, uh, I just posted on LinkedIn today about a release of a of an album. Do you use that term album anymore? I never know what to call these things. A collection uh, of songs. No, albums still exist. And also, you may people who are listening to this, we may release this on a different day. So it might not be today, but oh, okay. But. All right, all right, got it. So I um, uh, there is an album that just got released. The album is by a singer called Janet Planet, and it is uh, called Hope Springs, and it. The, the songs on the album were all written by me. And I collaborated with, with Janet, who is a wonderful vocalist, and she um, sang the songs. Uh, I arranged them and worked with the musicians on them. And um, so that's very, really exciting. But what I wanted to talk about is the fact that when I am not doing UX work and behavioral design work, sometimes when I'm doing outside of work is composing music. And Guthrie, I know you compose music as well. And I thought about this today because I was thinking about um, the fact that when you work in UX, you often or almost all the time, you don't have control over what you're working on and designing, like you're helping or you're designing something, but somebody else, the business stakeholder, the technology people are like making the decision about what to do and what to implement. And so I co you know, I do a lot of coaching and mentoring, go through, you know, that of, of UX people. And this is a really frequent frustration that people have. It's like they, a lot of people that get into the field of design are creative people and then they do all this creating and then they, you know, they don't ever get to ever get to see their creative things implemented and it gets really frustrating. Um, So one of the things I always tell people in order to avoid burnout by, uh, of of a I guess what a, um, a burnout about not being able to be creative is they need to do something in work or their personal life that is creative that they get to control at least a large amount of and it they, they get to create it it goes out into the world they see that it goes out into the world but otherwise I think they'll go crazy so for me, 
one of those things is music. So I compose music and then I perform it or uh, I record it or I, like with Janet Planet, I'm really honored to have somebody else record my music. I've done that a couple Someone times. Someone more talented. Yeah, okay. At performing. Let's, at performing, absolutely, yeah, because absolutely. I'm a composer and I sing a little, <laughs> but I can tell you that Janet Planet singing my songs is a lot more fun than me singing my songs. Um, so I definitely like it when other other people perform the music that I have written. But it's a way for me to be creative and, and something is out there and I've, you know, it's in the world and I feel like I accomplished something creative. And I just think if you're in the field of UX, you've got to figure out what that is. So what can you do? Go ahead. I, okay. So that was a, that was a good introduction, a preamble. I think that I find this to be a very interesting topic because the, there are, um, I, I really like working in the UX field just because I think the people are great. Yeah. There's a lot of great people. People are really nice. Um, very interesting. And so if we're talking about common personalities in a field, right? Like if you're an electrical engineer, right? That if you're working in that field, there's probably going to be, um, various, uh, uh, oh, Oh, we have, sorry, we have a, we have a, a comment here from Timothy K. What kind of music? Oh, is, is what I, the album, yes. the music, um, you know, I don't know. No, you don't have to. It, it's, it's kind of jazz, jazz, jazz slash folk. It's, it's jazz. It's jazz. Guthrie says it's jazz. Okay. Yeah, so it's it's not it's not um, like hardcore bebop avant garde jazz. jazz. It's no. sort of you know jazz uh, pop you know pop folk jazz. But yeah, yes. pop folk jazz. I like that. Yeah. Um. Okay. So I just I just wanted to kind of get get that in there. If people are asking questions. So I, I find um. Uh. So you know if you have a bunch of electrical engineers, maybe you're going to have similar personality types. Uh, not every single person will have the same, right? There's lots of variants. Yeah. But if we're talking about general personality types, um, the UX field does tend to attract kind of go-getter creative types yeah. who are interested in a lot of things. In some ways, yeah. that's why that's what makes UX UX. Like you have to be interested in a lot of things. It's a little bit of design. It's a little bit of computer programming. It's a right. little bit it's of technology. Bit of it's a little bit of service and a little bit yeah. of psychology and a little bit of business. Right. Um, so right. you kind of, you kind of need to be the person who is interested in a lot of stuff yeah. and that sort of, um, th that's those sorts of personalities, uh, are usually not satisfied by doing one thing. So I know that for me, um, in order to be sort of satisfied at work or life or whatever, I need a creative outlet. But it's not always the same creative outlet. Um, like it, it, it is. Uh, it's it, you know sometimes it might be one thing, sometimes it might be another. Have you have you looked at any of the research about the different types of creativity? And I'm sure you have, but. Um, there's, there's different schools of thought about what counts as a creative outlet. So for example, uh, there are the, what, you know, the Western traditional creative outlets, painting, music, yeah. um, you know, dance. There's also, uh, um, 
what I would call athletic creativity. So, so the natural way of moving uh, of, so, so if you're like a basketball player and you are, you know, kind of moving and interacting on the court and reading and reacting, there's a type of creativity there or uh, soccer. Well, okay. I will say that um, athletic creativity, probably not something that I do, but um, no, creativity is really interesting. And, and, you know, yeah, I've looked into the science of creativity. I've, we have a online video course about the science of creativity. Um, but you could, yeah, you could say uh, cooking, which is a, like a is, is sort of a creation of things. So right. there, the point is, is that um, there are so many ways to be creative, yes. and some of them are not ways that people intuitively think is creative, like cooking dinner at night as a form of stress relief. Because yes. I like to cook dinner, you know blah, blah, blah. They might not see that as a creative outlet, but it totally is. It right? can so after, be. Yeah, it can be. So at, uh, after the monotony of a job, right, being able to have a creative outlet of cooking might be nice. Or, you know, playing a sport or even, you know, just going on, uh, going running and just letting your mind run. You're, you're, you're being creative, but only inside your head. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it, it doesn't always have to manifest in the world, um, or playing, uh, well, and it does, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it depends. All right. I'm going to make a distinction though. Okay. Cause I, okay. cause when I, when I'm in the course we have on creativity, I, the definition I use has to do with creating something, creating something unique of value. And so that is different from what you're talking about. I'm going to make a distinction. Which is, yeah, because I'm talking about a creative outlet. Yes. Which is like well, a personal thing. But you said, you know, even go running and be creative in your mind. So you might not be creating anything. But, so I'm going to make a distinction between being creative and then, and then as a result of that creativity, you have produced something. Right. And being in a flow state which is a creative mindset in which you may not create anything. So for instance, and let's just, we'll use music as the example, just because. So I can, you know, work on composing a song, right? And when I'm done, I have a song that somebody can sing and record. Um, I can also just go to the piano and noodle around. And I, I could get lost in time, you know, an hour can go by and I can have enjoyed myself and 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 not record anything and not write anything down. And I, I, I didn't produce a thing, but it was a very creative process. I was, I was um, you know, in the flow of the moment. And so, you know, I, and I think both things are both creating something unique as well as just being in a state of flow. They're different, and they're both extremely valuable. And and know, I I want to add one more thing on there. Yeah. Then there's creating, but not having it be a creative outlet. So, for example, I know artists who, for let's just say, you do graphic design all day yes. long, right? You yes. are creating what others would consider art, 
yes. right? But this is your, just your job and you're doing That's your right. 500th logo design. That's right. And to you, you're actually, it's not a creative outlet. No, it's, it's production. It's production, right? So yes. there's, a, there's a, and I don't think it's a black or white thing. I think there's no, a spectrum. No, no. But yeah, but there's I, a level of what's creativity yeah. to me and what's production work. Yes, yes. And so I think when we talk Same about- yeah, what did you say, Guthrie? The same with music. Like if you were a professional yeah. musician doing, you know, some song. Well, and I was going to say there are lots of parts about um, music. Like, 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 let's just say I'm going to write a song. There are lots of parts of that that are not fun and are not, you know, where <laughs> I, it's like, okay, now I'm going to use, you know, my program for notating the music and, uh, oh, this has got to be a 16th note tied to, you know, and it's like, okay, it's not fun to use that software. I know that I want the harmonies to all be in thirds, but now I have to actually figure out what all those yes. notes are. And what, and what is this chord here that has the sharp 11? What do you call that chord? Okay, I don't remember. I got to look it up. I mean, there are parts of it that are frustrating and boring and and hard work you know it's not all just fun and creative so uh, i yeah there are lines here but i guess what i was saying is i i, I think it has to do from what i what i brought up at the beginning about ux people or creative people and in and, and they often don't get to have have, uh, I don't want to use the word authority, but they, they don't have autonomy about what they're creating and the decisions they're making. They don't so get to be the czar. They don't, they don't get to make the decisions and say, this is what I want to create, and here I created it, and this is what it looks like, and I got to make the decisions. Yeah. And so, I yeah, I think that it, it's like, it's like I have a couple hypotheses as to why. Theory number one is that, yes, they're in a job where there's a lot of stakeholders and other players and yeah. they're making creative stuff, but they can't implement it and it's frustrating because yes. they have a vision and they can't enact the vision. And so having an outlet where you do get to be in charge yes. and make that, okay, that is that is one potential theory about why UX people tend to have this itch. Uh, theory number two is it's a personality thing. These types of people who happen to be in this field, a lot of them have feel the need to do a lot of different stuff, have a lot of different hobbies, create in different ways. And so if they're creating in one way during their job, that means that they need to create in some totally different way um, outside of their job. I have found that a lot of UXers tend to have strange hobbies. Like they <laughs> tend to, they tend to, they, they all have hobbies, but they're not like, it's like, oh, what do you? What are your hobbies? Like, it's very rarely is it like a, just a very popular kind of down to earth hobby. It's yeah, I, I skateboard or I oh, yeah, pottery some, thing, something with or uh, I'm in, I'm I in some sort of punk band. Paper. Yeah. I'm a, I make felt. I make homemade felt, and yes. then I turn <laughs> that felt into into little anime puppets. characters. I don't know. There's always yeah, something. There's like uh, something. Yeah. Um, so, so they're very, very artistic, but also, um, quirky, like, quirky. Yeah. There's a sort of a quirkiness to it. So, so I, I don't know what the reason is. I don't know if it's because of the job or if it's the type of people that yeah. are in the job, but for whatever reason, um, there seems to be this desire to 
have a creative outlet. And I know that I sort of feel this way. And one of the nice things about the work that we get to do is we have built into our job descriptions uh, opportunities for creative outlets. Um, a lot of them, actually. And they're well, all give in different some examples. Mediums. Like what? So, for example, uh, one, sometimes, sometimes we get to uh, teach. And so teaching is sort of a way of being creative. If you are standing in front of an audience of 20 people, that it's... That's a performance in many ways, right? And uh, especially the way we teach, which it's yeah. not scripted. We have our bullet points, but we're just up there doing creative oration, extemporaneous speaking. Well, okay, okay, but also extremely planned. So scheduled. I mean, it's creative in the sense of we we want to create an engaging experience over the day or the two days of the training. And you know what it's like? It's like a sermon. Where you, it's you, you have you, you know what you, you have it sketched out what you want to say, and but you know, and the you're thoughts not and behind it. it, but you're not, yeah, yeah you're not reading it, right? Yeah. You're there, you're, but you're you there have planned it. it out. To me, the cre- you know, part of that creative process is, is the you know, and I, I'll use the term because I also have done theater in my background, and so I'll say the choreography. You know, we're going to do 10 minutes of this and then we're going to do 10 minutes of that. And then we're going to do, yeah. we're going to do, you know, so, but the but thing we, is, but we might, Hey, we might find different creative outlets in the different things. Cause I'm more of an extrovert than you. So to me, yeah. some of the creativity is the interacting with the audience and the riffing and the, uh, um, improvisation, that kind of happens throughout the day. And, right. And, and to me, being creative means is, I is have mapped out mapped every out minute the of the day and I know exactly yeah, how I want this to go. You're right. less of an extra. So, so the, but so, okay. So, so that's, so that's one, right. We get to do that. I, I find that kind of work to be creative because it, no workshop is the same and no hour of any workshop is the same. It, it tend, depends on the people and the yeah. workshop and the yep. flow that's and the true. energy in the room. And it's just, yep. it's just always different. Okay. Right. So that's, so that's part one. Uh, part two, um, we do this podcast, right? Like that yeah. is, that is a creative outlet where yep. we get to just, uh, think about what we think want about to discuss stuff, and talk about issues that are yep. interesting to us in yep. some sort of kind of it's a hopefully interesting a, to the people. Uh, it's a medium of, 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 it, of it's a work, right? I mean, it's a podcast. Yeah. It's not, it's not high art. It's not, you know, no. it's not, not a, an opera, but it's, it, there is a art form to podcasting. Um, we've done less now, but we've done a lot of video production. Yes. So sets and scripts and performance in that capacity. And then, yeah. Um, the editing work and the color accuracy and making slides and stuff. And that's, that can be a little productiony and tedious because it's usually not just like one little small project. Well, it's usually again, like a multi-month. I, again, being thing. creative does usually means there's a pro- production yeah, aspect yeah, somewhere yeah. along the line. So that, so that one, so that one, but that's like a little bit, uh, but also in that, in that, um, coming up with those, you know, coming up with like a, like a 40 hour course. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is a ton of creative, creative and a ton of work energy. and a ton of work. Yes. But at least, but like also a huge creative outlet, um, yes. where, where you're putting together, I mean, that's, that's a lot of work to put together yeah. a whole, a whole kind of very tight, you know, um, for people who aren't speakers or aren't teachers, um, the shorter something is, 
the harder it is to make. The yep. tighter it has to be and the the more perfect it has to be, it just gets it's actually much harder. It's much easier to make something long and sprawling. Right. If you, you know, ask me to realize. talk about something for 2 hours and I'll just wander around and talk about it. But if you say you have to explain eight this minutes. thing in eight minutes. Yeah, it's tough. Now I got to spend a lot of time. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, we, uh, I do some graphic design here and there. Um, yeah, so that's, I don't. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, don't, you don't. Yeah, don't ask me to, to do. I, no, yeah. Not, I, I'm not, not going to go get thing. my notebook and show you my little sketches of graphic design stuff. Um, we get to write books and yeah. blogs. I mean, if we feel that if, if we want, if, uh, as some of, some of my favorites as, you know, if, if we remember how the fingers work and actually go and type something, um, what, what does that mean? I've heard a number of, uh, journalists who now do podcasting say that they've, that like their fingers don't work anymore, which is like, it's like an industry shorthand because for saying that like writing? they're not writing because writing is really hard. It's easier just to podcast than oh, it is to sit down and write. To talk than write. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, a lot of them will, you know, they'll, they'll be in retirement for writing and yeah, they'll say there's, they'll say their, their fingers don't work anymore. I've just, maybe that's just a, a turn of phrase that a couple of them use, but I've heard that. Um, uh, cause like, obviously they could write, right? Like a- anyone who's a writer, unless you, there's something wrong like you can just sit down so like there's people who are like famous columnists for years and years and years and years and years right but it's hard it's hard to write it's hard to write and so then when they like they like just okay i'm just gonna podcast and then every once in a while if they get back to it they'll like go back and and try it wow that's a lot of work yeah um anyways uh so we get so writing that's a creative outlet um anything else I think that's well. Think we that's talked last week it. about writing books. No, I say yeah, writing. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We, we write. We write books. We write. We write various things. No, I, I, th- I mean, and it's no, not. An, it's nothing physical. And it's which not is why, an, and there's nothing mu- musical to what we do. Right for so, for our business. Yeah, Correct. so it sort of makes sense that like the things that I would crave as a outlet Outside in my work. spare time, it's going to be musical and physical. Uh, creativity for me. Um, hmm. So, you know, like if I was, I would imagine if I was a construction worker and I was, you know, building decks all day long, I may not feel the need to be as physically creative as if I'm, you know, sitting behind a desk every, every day. Yeah, I think that that, I think that varies by by person too. Sure. About whether they're, you know, if they're doing an out, outside of work creative endeavor how similar is that to their work creative endeavor right so one thing that i mean and some people you know they just fall in love with something and then that's just what they want to do all the time yeah and i think that's true some people i mean but the thing about ux people you got to remember is that i think they're sort of a confluence of different interests so it's like like it's not like a sculptor who all they want to do is sculpt and in their free time they sculpt and in their job they sculpt or a painter you're just like or, or a writer. There are some people who are just like, I, all I want to do is just write, 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 read and write, read and write, read and write. Yeah. A, a UXer, I think, is like one of the people, oftentimes people who are who have a lot of interest in a lot of different fields. And so they don't just want to do the one thing. 
Right. And so they're always looking for other hobbies, other stuff that's just, just different than what they normally do. Um, one other uh, topic that I kind of want to get your opinion on yeah. is I think sometimes like a lot of UXers will have like a side gig where they're making keycaps or art or for, doing... for work or for fun or both or sometimes what? a little bit of both. Right. Yeah. Like they like, um, you know, they, uh, by day they do this, but like secretly it's like, Oh, if I, I wish I could retire and just do my anime, uh, felting full time. <laughs> <laughs> it's the second time we've mentioned it. Yeah, I don't know. Felton. I don't know what people are doing. Um, I'm just combining two two sort of hobbies. But like, right? Like that. I wish I could do that full time. And I do think that um, sometimes, if if you like, I think there are some people who need a creative outlet because they're dissatisfied with their work. They're yeah. not satisfied with their job and so mm. they want they need an outlet outside of their job just to stay sane so that they can do their job okay. so i think that's part one and so i think sometimes when people see people having outside hobbies especially if they're really into those hobbies and spend a lot of time with it they must think oh man your job must suck you must really dislike your job mm. because you're like you know there's there's this there's a sort of weird thing where it's like if you love your job, you should be super excited to wake up in the morning and go to work and then want to do that so much that even like after you're done with work, you want to keep doing that thing. That's like the sign of of loving your job. But I think there's just some people who just always want to do a lot of different stuff. Yeah. And so it's not that they like they can love their job. And also want to do things that aren't their job. And it's yeah. not necessarily a sign that they don't love their job. No, In some ways, no. it might be a sign of job fulfillment that they don't feel like they have to do more well, in that area. Uh, uh, and or, I mean, because I feel that way. I mean, I, I wake up in the morning and typically, not every day, <laughs> but I wake up in the morning usually excited for the work for my work like i i have things i want to do i want to accomplish in in the work part um but i think some yeah and I, and then there, and then i have things that are not work that i also am excited to do i think it has to do i think part of it is probably personality but i do think related to what you're saying Guthrie that if you enjoy your work and and it's not you know, then i think you have energy to do other things i mean if your work is just soul sucking you know and you can't stand the job and you just feel like it takes everything out of you you know then at the end of the day or at the end of the week you know you don't have energy mental or physical mm. energy to go do something fun and creative it's right. just like i just yeah. don't i'm just this has just worn me down so much right so yes. i think i mean and maybe you know not everybody's like that some people yeah, hate their job and really they, they right. can't wait for the weekend where they can do something that isn't their job but i i know a lot of people where their job is just takes so much out of them emotionally yeah you know, because uh, it's a it's a it's a dirty little secret that anyone who's creative will tell you. It takes a tremendous amount of effort to be truly creative. Yeah, 
you don't need a lot of effort to do some of the production work. You know, I'm working on something. I'm cleaning this up. I'm making this a little better. I'm, you know, jotting things down, getting ready for a task. But the actual creativity part, it's the it's the most fun part. But it's but you have to be in like a really high energy state. Yeah, you got you, you got to be clicking. Energy state. You got to be into you it. May you may need a be, big block of time. You, yeah, you got you got sandwiches lined up. You're you're ready. You got coffee if you're doing that right. You're yeah, just yeah, it's yeah. A, just a high energy. You have to have you have to be very full. Your reservoir of life has to be very full to be creative. And so yeah, if you're if you're just getting ground down by your job, you likely don't have the energy outside of your job to do that. Whereas if you actually did like your job, it, it would be conducive to having more side products, I think. Okay. Can I bring up a tangential topic? Yeah, of course. You can do whatever you want. Uh, I want to also encourage people. You know, sometimes I think people get stuck into thinking, well, oh, yeah, I would have liked to have dabbled in writing fiction or writing music or creating felted anime or whatever it is, you know, I, I kind of often thought about that, but I never did it. Right. And so I never learned, you know, whatever skills you might need. Cause a lot of times with these things, you need some skills, right? I never learned how to do it. And now it's too late. And I want to encourage people to, to realize that, you know, it's not too late. Depends. Uh, depends, but de- depends what it is. It's depends often, what it is. It's often it, not too late. Yeah, yeah. I guess if you want to be uh, a a top flight, uh, you can't do anything competitive. Ballerina and and go around the world. You know, maybe starting at the age of sixty is a little unrealistic. Um, you could dance, but you could dance. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can't dunk. You won't be able to if yeah, if, yeah. yeah at fifty five so you're not going to get up. Level, it's the level. Of it's the level. It's the level. But you could, yeah. But if you wanted to play basketball, if you wanted to play guitar, yeah. So I'm not going to say it's never too late to do anything. But I think sometimes people like I, I had thought about writing music my whole life, and I didn't. Well, actually, I tried a couple times. And got frustrated, and it never went anywhere. When I say I tried, I tried for like three hours, you know, on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon, and then said, "Forget it." Um, so I came to it really late, and uh, and I was really fascinated by, and, and I had to do a lot of a lot of work and study to to get fairly good at it. And I'm not saying I'm accomplished at it by any means, but to get fairly good at it, to get to the point where, you know, I would have, I could notate my musical ideas to the point where another musician could read it and play it, which is actually a lot harder than, than you might think. Um, I had, I had to study and take courses and, you know, learn software and all kinds of stuff. But, um, I didn't start it till, let's see, uh, the first song I really wrote, I wrote in 2014. So, so, so that was, you were, you were 24 ago. at that point. Yes, I was 24 in 2014. Thank you, Guthrie, for bringing, for commenting on it. But I, you know, I mean, I started late, but then once I got going, I really got going and I got excited and I've, 
I think at this point I've written, I don't know, 15, 16 songs. So, you know, don't necessarily think, oh, it's too late to, for me to do that, whatever that is. I mean, you can, and you know, especially, I think it's, I think sometimes people just are too hard on themselves and I think it's perfectly okay to try something. You know, I used to always try things and then give them up. And I always thought that was a character flaw. And then I heard someone say to me once, oh my gosh, here's all the things I've tried that, you know, I thought might be fun and creative. And they listed this big long list and they, and then she looked up and she said, isn't that great? And I thought, oh, wow. She doesn't think she's a failure for trying and giving it up. She thinks she's adventurous. It was like, I'm going to change there are, the way I think about there myself. There are people who are very competitive and in yeah. their head, they have a vision of where they should be. Yeah. And so, right. Like if I'm going to play the piano, right. And I close right. my eyes, like I'm, you know, I'm playing the piano and it's, yeah. I'm good, yeah. you know? And like, and so when faced with the reality of like, oh, like this I'm is not gonna, that good right now. This is going to be a lot of work. This is a lot this of work. Like, you know, right. Um, I, I say this about working out too. Like hmm. uh, people kind of think, well, all right, I'm going to go to the gym and I, and, and you go like twice a week for, for like two months. Like if you, that's, that's going to the gym eight times. If you did, if you played piano eight times, you wouldn't expect that you'd be a virtuoso. Right. right? And right. some people, they go to the gym, they go to the gym. It's like, I went for two months, twice, you know, twice a week. That's eight times, right? Like you shouldn't expect that you're going to be like some ripped bodybuilder. Sometimes right. these, to build these skills, if you want to get good at something, like it's not, it's not a couple months it's not a year. It's a couple years or a it decade is. or two it decades. It is. Like, um, it just takes a tremendous amount, not necessarily every day. You don't have to be totally all in. Yeah. But you just, you know, with the 10,000 hours and the consistency of it. Yes. And, and, and um, I like to think of it sort of like, you know, like stair stepping. Like, at any given point, you're working your way between two steps. But but if you can sort of get to that next step, yeah, then you have that skill and you're there, yeah. And then you know you then you kind of work to get the next step. So like if you piano, and you know you work at it, you'll you'll go from zero to the first step to the second step to the third, you know, and you'll get up a little little ways. And if you slow down, if you're in between steps, yeah, you might fall back and level down to that step before. But you're not going to go all the way back to zero, yeah. And and you know so so then you know next year if you kind of pick it up and you work on it again, right? You you know kind of comes back and you get okay. And and if you work hard enough at it, you might graduate to that next step, where then you'll be kind of on that platform. And so you know over time you just kind of get up there. And if there's anyone who's been doing anything for 20 years, they're probably pretty good at it. Doesn't mean they'll be the best. You know, especially if it's like a physical competition, you know, um, but they're probably not going to be bad if, if, if they've been, if they have a hobby for 20 years, they're probably going to know what they're doing. Yeah. I think, you know, the other thing I was thinking about when you were talking is, do you think there's a, a personality type and how do you think this is related to user experience people? 
that um, enjoy learning. They just like, they like the process of learning. Well, this is, I think a lot of people like the process of learning. And I think it just so happens that the UX is a pretty highly educated group. Mm. Mm. You know, like it's not, it's not a lot so of high like school job self, dropouts. A self-select. It, it tends, people who go into the field are probably people. I mean, who, hey, you've met engineers. Are there like engineers love to learn too? They're yeah. always reading yeah. about the newest this and the, yeah, you know, the, that, and, um, their, their I mean, learning is maybe that, a little more, their, their, in, their engineers intuitions can often be a little more book learning, um, mm-hmm. or hands-on learning, mm-hmm. uh, versus learning artistic skills. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like they, they, they want to know how this kind of engine works or how this new tech works or the latest on this, this thing. But I think there's a lot of like engineers who are, you know, they get excited about new stuff. Um, and I, I yeah. think, you know, like, or in the tech world, right? Like there's always new tech and that's very exciting. Um, and I think, you know, learning the, you know, the new stuff. I think that, I think that's pretty common in fields that have a pretty high level of education, mm. except for attorneys. Attorneys don't want to learn anything new ever. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I kid attorneys. Is this true? I think there's just a little bit of truth to that. Because you are, you are an attorney. So. If it compared to UX, I kind of feel like it's like, it would be great if the law just never changed ever again. And we were just, <laughs> and I could just do the thing that I know and it just wouldn't change. Um, That's fine. But uh, I only uh, lawyers have to do this thing called CLE, which is continue, continuing learning. And um, But also part of the problem is some of that's probably pretty boring. I mean, it's, it may not be. No, no, it's you like it. Well, everyone else finds it boring, but to but lawyers, you, it's it's interesting. Okay, all right. You know, right. Um, but I was just going to say sometimes those continuing, like for example, courses are just not when really I think well of people who are who dislike change the most. Yeah, it's old attorneys. They cannot stand change. That they have their we, process, they get into weird? the office at the same like time. They have this, they do this, they have these really? clients, they have this meeting. You don't they think like this is a stereotype, huh? Well, no, there are always exceptions for sure. For sure. Yeah. But, but you think that yeah. um yeah, like trying to get like if I think of like trying to get a group of people on the new electronic system, like old attorneys, oh, they're so so, yeah, they do not no, like no, that. No, I really do know what you mean, actually, because I don't know if you remember, but this was a long time ago. Is before you joined the business. I worked on this big project, which was software for attorneys. Oh, man. Yeah, so you you know. I know about this. And I had to observe attorneys at work. I had to interview attorneys. And, yeah, the the resistance to change. So the software they had was just horrible. They don't and, want the law to change because they know the law. And they were like, no, they were like, no, not interested in this new software. But look, you can do this and this and this and this. And they were like, no, I don't, no. I don't want the new software. No, just <laughs> I want to continue using my horrible old software that takes forever to do anything. And yeah, no, you're right. I forgot about that. Yeah. So, so there, there may be, so I know it's like, I talked about highly educated people, but there's, it's, it's maybe the, it's something about the field. 
Okay, can I tell you one other thing that was true about working with the attorneys? What was true about working with the attorneys? Well, we were doing user testing of the new software that they didn't want to use. And so, you know, user testing, we were doing it in person and we set them down and we had these tasks for them to do and then we observed them doing the task. I never had so many people who were so suspicious of what we were doing and why we were asking that question. And I, I they would lo- like, you'd, you know, like you'd explain what the testing was about and then they'd look at you. And then they'd say things like, what is it you're really trying to find out? And it's like, well, we're trying to find out if the software is well designed or if we should make changes. And then they would just look at you. And I had this, <laughs> I had this yeah. one, you know, this one guy and, you know, he would do the task and, yeah, you know, you do a bunch of depositions, click cross on stuff. Some, some buttons. And then, and then I'd say, oh, so t- tell me why you clicked on that button. And he actually would look at me and go, what is it you're really asking me? <laughs> it's like, I'm asking you why you clicked on the button. I had to end the session. I I ended it early because he would not, he had this um, pen and he was just clicking the pen on the desk and staring at me and like, okay, I think, <laughs> thank you for your time. Yeah. It's a paranoid group. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, lawyers are probably a paranoid uh, and intransigent group. Uh, all right, not so all. and and there might be a generational thing. Maybe young lawyers are different than the than older attorneys. Maybe. But so tell me, Guthrie, what is what is your kind of? Do you have a current creative outlet that you're working on these days? I've talked about one of mine, which is music. <laughs> no. <laughs> After we talk well, about all this creativity. It's a lot of stuff. It's a lot yeah. of stuff. So yeah. um, I purchased a house a little over a year ago. And, you know, fixing up a house is sort of a creative outlet. Um, you're, you're turning ideas into physical stuff. We're not doing like a whole remodel or anything crazy. But, you know, um, looking at a room and... Imagine what it might be, and we're going to repaint. And how are we going to do this? And how are we going to do that? And how are we going to solve this problem? Uh, There's a level of creativity there, and there's some physical stuff as well. Um, You know, even uh, even just you know mowing. I didn't have a yard before, but there's sort of a. You You think mowing is creative? You can come be create. You can come be creative in my yard anytime you want. (laughs) Plan out what the exact route is. Do you start on this side? Are you going vertical (laughs) this way? Vertical that way? Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah, probably. Um, I'm I'm writing. I'm writing a book. Uh, I wouldn't say it's the most creative book I've ever written, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, That has that's mildly creative. I'm doing the podcast. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, being able to yell my opinion is always a good creative outlet mm-hmm. for me. Um, I played uh, over when it was warm. It's we're kind of done for the season, but uh, over the summer, I played a bit of pickleball. Did you think pickleball was creative? It certainly can be. Uh, I played doubles. Um, there's a uh, some of it is just instinctual, but there's a level of especially when you're playing with a partner, there's a, there's strategy involved 
do this and then do that. And they're moving over here, which means I'm going to move over there. And okay, there. so now we're switching in this side and that side. And um, there's certainly some uh, twitchiness to it. Yeah. Uh, where you just have to um, read and react. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's that's okay. Um, so that's that was that's a little creative. Um, there are other projects that I was thinking about doing. Um, I have that are on my list. Uh, I have some sewing projects that are kind of creative. Uh, I like using a sewing machine, but yeah, I haven't I haven't done a whole lot of that yet. Yeah, so um, it's on your it's, back, it's just it's not a high priority, right? Uh, I I still I cook a lot. Yeah, you do you you, know, you do uh, trying new things, new recipes. Cooking is a creative area for you. Yeah, and and especially for me because a lot of times when I cook. Uh, I will just say I go, uh, uh, I'm inspired by recipes, but not beholden to them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, um, I, so I think go, recently, y- yesterday I made sort of an Italian wedding soup and it was just sort of like, here are the components that go into it. Right. And there's not really a recipe, yeah. but then you kind of bring it together, um, yeah. based on kind of what you want. Um, let's see, what are... Yeah, uh, I think there, there, there's some other creative stuff. I've been you playing some creative music recently. No, not a whole lot. No, because um, you actually did a lot of music. I mean, you did two did. albums. Uh, I've been doing some creative games. Mm. There are some games I've been playing that are uh, narrative, story-based games where you mm-hmm. have to sort of be creative with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's fun. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been a, it's been a little bit of a um, little bit of this and a little bit of that. Um, For me, the the two things outside of work, and I agree with you that work is there's a lot of creativity for you and I in our in our work, and I'm very grateful that we've been able to put together a business that allows us to be creative. Um, but outside of work, I, I, the music continues, and um, uh, you know, one thing that helps me with the oh, I'm going to come back to to this, but I'll, I'll say the other thing that I like to do are I, I just collectively call it fiber fiber arts which is very fancy term for the fact that you know i like doing a little bit of small scale tapestry and knitting and stuff i really like the tactile because i like the feel of yarn i i'm fascinated by that but um uh one of the things that you know you were talking about oh putting in the time and stuff and one of the things that i think has helped me with music is we go, um, uh, my husband and I go to every year to a, a jazz camp for adults. Uh, it's a week long camp. And back in 2014, when I started writing songs one year, I came to the camp with an original composition to perform rather than just picking a jazz tune to sing. And that started like a, I don't know, a trend or an expectation. So now I feel like the the group expects that I'm going to show up with, uh, you know, two, at least two original compositions. So that's great pressure on me because it's like I have to write at least two songs before next year or I will disappoint my fans, you know. Um, so sometimes it's good to have those outside expectations about your creative thing you're doing, your fun thing to just keep you motivated and keep you working on it. Um, you know, 
I think those that that can be a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're if you're in the UX field and you and you are feeling a little down, uh, maybe try to put some of that energy into an outlet outside of work. Yeah. And do that may, something you that may free you from just, feeling stuck. Yes, do something that's creative. I think it's good for good for you and fun. All right, Guthrie, thank you so much for this conversation about creativity and fun projects. And uh, as we said, if people want to get hold of us, they can reach us at info at the teamw.com. Okay, thanks. Thank you. Have a good creative day. You too. Bye.